started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. The Metaverse, UAPs or UFOs, and a remote viewing session, plus The Matrix 4. What do they all have in common? I recently came into uh, possession, not possession, but I came across uh, some commentary by Jeremy Corbell talking about something that identically described an experience and data that I collected when I was remote viewing the Tic Tac UFO phenomenon with the Hellfire group. I want to talk about that because this piece of feedback for me personally is huge and the implications of it, I think we need to dive deeper into this. So I want to share some of that session in a moment here. I'm going to give you a teaser of what Jeremy Corbell stated and I'll get to the full commentary uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Close encounter eyewitnesses who tell me that this is something bigger than just flying machines. To give you an example, at Skinwalker Ranch, the report is that a piece of the sky opened up like a tear, and out of this tear came beings. So UFOs is a symptom. It's part of this alternate reality, but it's it's not just about UFOs. UFOs represent this phenomenon. Okay, so that is exactly what I saw in my remote viewing session. I... I drew it, I sketched it, I wrote about it, uh, I, we debriefed it, I talked about it publicly, uh, and this session that I did was done on November 14th, 2021, and Jeremy Corbell released that statement on December 20th, 2021. So I was floored when I saw that, because I, I interpreted this different, and I'm going to talk about this session in a little bit. I also plan on putting out a YouTube video um, showing my data and just kind of giving an even more update that's focused specifically on the remote viewing feedback. There's more I want to talk about in this podcast. So this podcast is going to have a lot more of my thoughts and feelings on a lot of different things here uh, as, I, as I go through it, just to kind of see where my mind takes me on this one. But that was, that was pretty powerful feedback for me to get because that was something, just a wild piece of data. And then to get that, I'll say confirmation or at least feedback um, 
it, it floored me. It absolutely excitedly floored me in uh, trying to understand this greater reality that we're in. It's uh, today is January 3rd, 2022. So happy new year to all of you. It's been about a month since I've been on the air. Life's just been hectic, especially the month of December. I know we're all feeling it right now as uh, the virus continues to spread throughout the world. It's uh, for some of us making life quite difficult working in education this year. Once again, it's been quite the challenge. Uh, being the father of three young children uh, has also been a challenge. There's other viruses and stuff going around too. I got to tell you, um, sometimes, have you ever experienced this? It seems like when you come into information, and I've said this a lot, sometimes it's traumatic. It's very hard. You know, a lot of times we think when we get enlightenment, it's it, it's sitting somewhere in the lotus position and, you know, the bells are chiming and the birds are singing and it's this beautiful, blissful moment. But I think the reality a lot of times is when we step into that uh, new paradigm, it's traumatic. It's it's difficult. It's hard. You're exhausted. It's scary. And you're trying to process what the hell just happened because your world got turned upside down. And I feel like um, coming out of one of those experiences again, uh, you know, the the one of the lessons I've learned over the years is that what I think that I know today, I may find to be proven false tomorrow or five years from now. Uh, and that helps me to stay grounded and open-minded in understanding that sometimes what we know or think we know, that comfort in calling it knowledge is temporary because we need that foundation for that point of growth in the journey that we're on. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel that I'm going through some of that stuff again. Basically, my world felt like it was just falling apart. But um, where to begin? It just all happened at once, man. Matrix 4 coming out. Uh, I'm going through some stuff with Reiki right now. Working these remote viewing targets, getting that feedback through through Jeremy Corbell. Um, and then everything happening with the coronavirus in the world around us. My kids got sick. It wasn't COVID. Uh, well, I'm still waiting. I'm looking at two of them right now, but it looks like it was something called RSV. It's a respiratory virus that is really dangerous for young infants and for the elderly. Uh, my youngest is four. So she was sick right before Christmas. Uh, I went out, we got her tested. Her doctor's great. He tested her for everything comes back she has rsv but there were about a it was a period of about two hours before we had the test results back where all of a sudden she just went totally lethargic on me her fever spiked to 103.5 which is getting very close to the dangerous thing and we're playing phone tag trying to get a hold of her doctor and it was the day before christmas eve they were closed for the holiday we knew we weren't going to have access to the doctor for the next three or four days the hospitals in this area are, are pretty booked and crowded if it's not COVID, I don't want to take my kid to the hospital and possibly expose her to COVID. As a parent, it was just a scary moment. And you just reach those levels sometimes of despair. And I'm watching this happen to myself. And I'm watching how my thoughts are changing because I was afraid. Rightfully so. I'm not ashamed of that. When you watch your kids, you know, seemingly getting worse and you don't know what to do. It's a scary thing, and you realize just really what matters to you most in life. Um, everybody's okay now. We're, we're just dealing with the after effects of it, but uh, it ran through 
it, it, or it's running through the house. Um, but we're, we're, I think we're through the worst of it right now. But just that reality check enough. Uh, and I know a lot of us are going through that, the, you know, the scariness of it. And it's like, the, then your mind starts to play the what if game. What if the choices I'm making about protecting my own health are the wrong choices? What if it doesn't work? What if it makes it worse? What if I'm in danger? And then you start thinking about self-preservation. What if my family's in danger? What could I do differently? What do I need to change? So I had some of those realizations and I'm, I'm processing some of that stuff right now um, that I'm not ready to talk about publicly, but some changes that uh, I really started thinking about. And, that, and I think that's okay when we have those moments, learn from it and grow from it. Speaking of learning and, and growth here, here's a quick little commercial here. Uh, 2022, it's a new year that's upon us. And, and of course, there's a lot of the scary stuff out there that it's going to be hard, and, and it, it probably is. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't thrive. That doesn't mean that you can't grow. You know, how can we take these challenges in 2022 and better ourselves from them despite some of the hardships many of us are facing? It's easy to fall into despair. I'm feeling pretty positive uh, over the last two days. Um, that doesn't mean I won't have my moments of the world is ending again, because you feel that way sometimes with everything around us that's going on. But right now I'm in a moment of, of positivity and growth. And how can we how can we harness that? So some things that hopefully uh, the products that I put out, you'll you'll find some growth and enjoyment and even just entertainment value in it. So podcasts, podcasts will continue through 2022 um, as I continue to track the things that I'm going through and the projects that I'm working on. Remote viewing, and I want to I want to direct you to two two places, sixcentsmedia.net, where I'm, I'm tracking a lot of my content is, is filtered through there, and also on my YouTube channel. I've been throwing up some great content on the YouTube channel. There's a lot of remote viewing centered stuff on there, not just my projects, but projects that I'm working on with Hellfire, um, and this our remote viewing journeys. We're looking at a lot of a lot of what we call woo woo stuff. There's been some UFO stuff on there. That, uh, I have a cloning video I want to put up there soon. We looked at the cloning of Dolly the Sheep. That was pretty cool. Uh, and the implications that that, that project had as, I, as I, what I learned from that. Um, and, and in addition, I'm in the process of finishing my, uh, some coursework for, uh, to become a Reiki master, a Reiki teacher. I'm very excited about that. I, I've talked about my Reiki journey um, multiple times on this show. I wrote about it in my book. And um, I, I want to start sharing more through the YouTube channel. Uh, as I continue to grow my Reiki practice here. So I'll have a, a caveat there for, for some Reiki stuff. Um, what Reiki did for me uh, is, is it gave me hope. It, I really came into Reiki thinking, this is fake, this is bogus, this is just a money-making opportunity, and there is a business aspect to it, and that's okay. Um, but I also realized what Reiki did was it helped me to focus and recognize, hey, I do have a access to this sixth sense. And I, it gave me a structure and a format and a way to connect with one type of energy out there. And it gave me a better understanding. And what that did, at my lowest point in my life of fear and despair, as I'm writing, looking at archons going, ah, we're food and there's nothing we can do. Reiki showed me, hey, we have power. We have access to that power. And we can use that to bring about healing and growth. So I want to continue to use that and give back to the community. Uh, so there'll be a lot more to come with my Reiki journey and uh, maybe some opportunities for some of you out there to, uh, to get involved and receive some Reiki as well. So 
Um, more to come on that. Please check back regularly. Again, YouTube, I think, is where it's at, where I'm putting stuff up, and here on the podcast and at SixthSenseMedia.net. So uh, continue to check in, and thank you for your continued support on that. Sorry for the commercial there, friends, but there, there's some great stuff going on. So let's let's get back to this. You know, as as I'm going through these challenges, uh, at the same time, Matrix Four came out, and I'm th- I was thrilled about this film. And it's weird that it's getting mixed reviews, and I, I understand why. And I, I think you have to ask yourself, what did the Matrix mean for you? If you're listening to my show regularly, uh, I'm going to assume that you take similar value from that movie. If you are somebody, and this isn't a negative thing, this is just what was your experience with the movie. If you're somebody who was in the movie for the effects or who really uh, enjoyed the fighting scenes uh, or the surface storyline and plot, then you're probably not going to enjoy Matrix 4. If you took deep insight into the philosophical implications of the original Matrix movie and the metaphors to our greater reality, and that was your starting point or a stepping off point, for diving deeper down the rabbit hole as uh, that, t- that term became famously coined through the Matrix, then I think you'll gain a lot of value. I-, I think that the writers of this film were brilliant because I walked away from that film questioning my own reality. I honestly feel as if the writers were watching me and wrote the movie. As weird as that sounds, because of, look, go back and listen to my shows and the, the experiences that I've had as, as I questioned my own reality. Uh, not identical, but there were just too many boxes that they checked where I'm like, man, yep, I've, I've felt that, I've experienced that, I've thought about that, I've seen that, yep. Uh, that, that just really make me wonder, what the hell is going on? And I, I don't want to give spoilers yet on the film. But the way they did it, I think, was brilliant. Uh, A big thank you to the writers, to the actors, to to the production team, everybody involved in that project. It did not disappoint. Uh, And and the thoughts that it inspired in me, again, when I was going through that film, a friend of mine even wrote to me, and he says, yo, The Matrix 4 has plots from your book in it. And I said, I know. Uh, I was kind of hoping to find a copy of my book as an Easter egg lying around in the background. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think they got the ideas from me. I think I got the ideas from them. Um, but I, I noticed some, some, I'd say, Archon-level stuff in there uh, that shows they took a deep study. And it's so subtle when they say some of these things. But I really think they did their research and their homework and, and went on a similar course of... of Evolution in thought and theory with that. So uh, I highly recommend the movie. Um, you're going to have to watch it a couple of times. I already got tw- two watches under my belt. And uh, it, it was just a great, great film. It evolved with the times. So I highly recommend that you check it out. But the ultimate theme, you know, looking at this is the, the you know, alter- alternate realities. And as the Matrix opened our minds to uh, in the first Matrix, you have the computer world, and then you have the <clears throat> you have the base physical reality. And as we talk about in uh, you know in Food for the Archons here on the podcast, I explored that quite a bit, and I looked at the Gnostic texts as as the Gnostics talked about uh, in the Book of Zostrianos, the Aeonic copies, 
And what they are are these copies of reality. And they mention, not in those words, but they have that in, uh, in The Matrix 4. And, and when you watch it, keep this in mind. An ionic copy is designed for a portion of, as they say, the soul. I'll say your consciousness enters this copy of reality. And in that copy of reality, it believes itself to be the true self. So you don't realize you're in a simulation, basically. You're in this copy, in this aeonic copy. And once it achieves the light of truth, it then basically the reality collapses and you merge back with your higher self. So what it's talking about, basically, is you're in, part of you is in this other reality. You don't recognize that you're just a fragment of yourself. Once you learn what you need to learn, you then, I, I'll say, reassimilate with your consciousness. I equate that to maybe that's how we get a download. Maybe a portion of us goes out and has this experience and doesn't realize it. Maybe right now, you listening to this podcast, maybe this is a, a, some kind of copy of reality. And once you achieve whatever you need to achieve, your world collapses and you go back to your original reality. I think that's a high possibility. And that, and that's, that was something that they touched on in the film. And I saw it there below the surface and it was awesome to see that. Uh, and, and to me, it just... It, you have to wonder how deep in are we? You know, you listen to Riz Verk. He's got a book, uh, The Simulation Theory, The Simulation Argument. He, he has a new, a new book out as well. I haven't, haven't looked at it yet. Uh, but he talks quite a bit about it. Um, you know, Nick Bostrom of Oxford University. And he basically says, you know, once a society achieves technical advancement, there's a chance that they're going to run ancestor simulations. And if they run ancestor simulations, chances are those living within the ancestor simulations will also run simulations. And all the way down and down and down and down it goes. So when you look at it that way, just looking at sheer numbers, it's more probable than not that we are living in a simulation and we are not the base reality. We are not the first ones to run through this. We're living in that simulation. So as I'm, as I'm processing all of this, as all these synchronicities are happening with, with the reflection I went through when my kids were sick, with Matrix 4 coming out, with that remote viewing session I did that I'm going to talk about in a moment, with the Tic Tac, seeing the alternate reality, with Jeremy Corbell's feedback coming in. At the same time, I was gifted the Oculus Quest 2, and that terrified me. Um, and I had an experience with that, again, within the same week of watching The Matrix and having all this stuff. And this is why I talk about um, it feels the synchronicities of things, the timing of things, all of these things to happen to drive home the message or the lesson I'm trying to learn, it, it lends credence to, hey, is there an intelligent design behind this? Whether that intelligent design is one grand architect, whether it's an intelligent universe, whether it's an AI, whether it's, it's uh, a computer program that I'm living within, whether it's aspects of my own consciousness that are pulling these things in at the right times, I don't know. I can talk about all of it. What I can say is that it happened. And the timing of these things happening, it's just too perfect, too sequential for me to deny that there isn't something bigger going on here. And it makes you start to think like, hey, is this reality created around me? I know that's a very egocentric statement to make, but I wonder if we all have that happening to ourselves. If maybe we're all aspects of the same higher consciousness and we all have realities that we're stepping in and out of to learn and achieve certain things, 
to serve that greater purpose of gathering knowledge and information. And we can look at the, you know, we're energy and parasites and all that stuff too. I think that's an aspect of it. That's just one aspect of it. And at some point, I think that aspect of it is a teaching tool for us to learn and to grow beyond the scary stuff. I have all this happening. I get this Oculus and I put it on and I start exploring and wow, I'm in another world. And one of my aha moments, it was right when I listened to that Jeremy Corbell clip with the UFO stuff where he saw the rip in the sky or he talked about the person seeing the rip in the sky. I have this on, I have this headset on and I'm, I'm in what's called Facebook Horizons. And I guess that's going to be the precursor to the metaverse. And my avatar is created. And all of a sudden, what you do is you draw your boundary of your room that are, you know, where you're going to be standing and you can't walk past that boundary because that's what keeps you safe. When you get close to the boundary, a grid appears. And as you start to penetrate that grid, the virtual reality slowly fades and then you start to see a grayscale. Oh, I'm blowing my own mind right now. You start to see a grayscale of the room that you're standing in. So I'm in, I had the headset on and I go close to the perimeter of, of my uh, virtual reality world boundary. And in front of me is my own avatar. It's as if I'm looking in a mirror. And I'm, uh, you know, I just set up my avatar. I'm looking in a mirror. I see myself. I'm waving at myself, and it's really cool. And you get lost. You really feel like I'm in this world. And I stepped a little too far into the grid, not fully. And all of a sudden, my physical reality gradually fades back in. And I see a grayscale of my living room, but I still see me, metaverse me, standing in the mirror, looking at me, and waving at me. And it just all came crashing down. Like, I, this is it. This is how I can go into one world and interact in this reality. And at the same time, right now, because of technology, also interact with physical reality. And it, now I'm holding the technology in my hand that is obviously much lesser, but showing me that it's possible that this remote viewing data that I gathered that this feedback that Jeremy Corbell is putting out is, I'd say, possible and maybe probable. That this is an accurate depiction of, of what's going on here. Now, can we access this psychically? Well, when, I, when I'm in this, in this virtual reality world, it, it's very good at tricking some of our physical senses. It definitely convinces our eyes and our optics that we're seeing a different world, and I'm in it. It convinces our sense, our hearing, our sense of sound that we're in this other world because of the, the uh, acoustics, the audio. And in part, our sense of touch because the haptics in the hand controllers, they vibrate when you touch certain things and play certain games. And it's to the point where I was, remember I was standing there on a table picking things up and it was teaching you how to throw them, how to interact with this reality. I'm throwing paper airplanes, I'm throwing little firecrackers. Uh, and it was really amazing. And then if you stepped three feet further, there was a cliff. And I was, at one point, afraid because I got so immersed in this world, I thought I was going to fall off the cliff. Like, I, I had the normal anxiety I would get as I got to the edge. And I said, okay, I, I remember that was in physical reality. I'm going to step on the cliff. 
And I was afraid. It was very hard for me to step on that aspect of what I knew was the floor because it seemed so real to me like I was going to fall over this edge. And I literally edged just my toe over the cliff so I could feel that the floor was in fact solid. And that was enough of a feedback for my physical body to remind me, nope, this is where your physical body really is. You're not going to fall over the cliff and die. But just by putting on that headset, it tricked my mind enough. So my question is, what are we plugged into that has us experiencing this physical reality? Now let's talk about this remote viewing session that I did. It was with the Hellfire Remote Viewing Group. It was remote viewing the Tic Tac UFO. The full session with all viewers is up on uh, on my YouTube channel. You can find it at sixcentsmedia.net, and I believe I did a podcast talking about it as well. I highly recommend it after listening to this one, going back and revisiting that. I'll have it linked in the show notes to this to this episode at sixcentsmedia.net. Let me start with my remote viewing data here. I'm just going to share one page. And again, this is on page 10 of my session. You can find the whole sessions available online as well. And I had, this is page 10, stage three. The first thing I wrote was glowing rip. And an AOL, which is your analytical overlay. I just wrote the word time. And then I drew like a jagged rectangle. And I wrote grayscale or black and white inside. And it had an AOL of cold energy. And it's like, and I wrote like an image that shouldn't be there, as if a hole was torn in the sky. And I can see another dimension. This feels like a metaphor or a misinterpretation. Pretend practical awareness as a function of essence, a state of being. That was what that data point suggested. Now, I interpreted that as we went through the feedback as what I'm seeing is the pilot's video screen because it was in grayscale. The pilots had these little monitors that they were looking at these UAPs flying around in. And that, in fact, could be what I saw. But I clearly remember this data piece. And it reminded me of, there's a YouTube video floating around of somebody playing with a device in a hotel room. And it literally opens up a hole in the air over the bed. And through that hole, you see another world. And, it, and, you know, obviously you think it's fake because we can't wrap our minds around that. But that's what this experience was for me. That's what I saw. And looking more into that session, as I went through it, the theme of that session, uh, or, or some, one of the things I, I touched on, was another civilization. And I was seeing interactions of energy, how there was energy coming from one dimension and populating or filling the other dimension. It was weird because I was seeing structures in one dimension that were in black and white. And then I was seeing energy that was in color and the energy was transforming between the two dimensions. And the energy in one dimension was manipulating things, meaning moving things in the other dimension. I don't know which dimension is which. I don't know which one's giving the energy, which one's receiving the energy. There's an exchange, and then just seeing that rip in the sky, I was like, wow, we can see another world. So based on my limited perspective right now, I think we're dealing with another level of reality, another level of the matrix, and I think that whoever can easily access that other dimension has some kind of control over this level of reality. And maybe over us, maybe over what we see. They could be walking, they could be around us right now. I went into uh, 
what's it called? The Facebook, not the metaverse, um, Horizons. And I was in an area, in a world, and there was about eight other people there. And that in and of itself was amazing. I was seeing, and they're cartoon avatars, but I was seeing their faces, I was hearing their voices, I was having conversations with people. And it was such a surreal experience as I'm interacting with this other world with people who are probably sitting in their living room with their headsets on just like me. There was something magical about it. And then I realized that Facebook also has people who monitor it. So there were people who were watching this probably on a computer screen who are unseen. So there are unseen conscious entities, people, who monitor what's going on there. Are there unseen, can we make that as a comparison to what's going on in our reality right now? Are there unseen consciousnesses is that a word? That are in, in the room with me right now, that are watching me, that are seeing me, that can manipulate things if they want to, the coders, the hackers. Is that a possibility? I'm leaning towards yes at this point after these experiences. And it sounds crazy, but because of this data and the feedback, I'm really leaning more towards, maybe that's not exactly how it is, but this may be a very strong metaphor for how it is because we're watching this unfold. The questions that come to mind is, is this one and the same? Because time becomes a very different element when you start dealing with remote viewing and altered states of consciousness. It flows different, sometimes not at all. And you can access it at any point. Uh, you know, in physical reality, we just, it's linear. You go, time just keeps on going and we move forward into the future. In altered states of consciousness, you can go backwards and forwards, and who knows, maybe up and down. Um, so time is very different. So my question that I'm getting to, as, as was mentioned by Phil Corso Jr. in my interview with him, uh, and as was mentioned by a very early guest I had, the audio is terrible, but he said that the grays are us. Is this metaverse the beginning of this matrix that we're already in? Is there some kind of weird loop going on? I don't know. I don't have the answers to that question. Let me get to this feedback from Jeremy Corbell. I want to play the whole clip for you, uh, just so you can hear it again. As you're processing my data, again, this rip, this opening that I saw in the sky during my remote viewing session. So let me play that clip for you. UFOs is a very small aspect of a much larger phenomenon. This idea that what we're seeing are machines from other planets, I, I, I'm unconvinced. What we may be seeing is an alternate reality. There seems to be another version of reality that is occurring and that once in a while they, they perforate and they pop through into our reality. And this is not just from a cursory look at the UFO phenomenon. This is from talking with thousands of close encounter eyewitnesses who tell me that this is something bigger than just flying machines. To give you an example, at Skinwalker Ranch, the report is that a piece of the sky opened up like a tear, and out of this tear came beings. So UFOs is a symptom. It's part of this alternate reality, but it's it's not just about UFOs. UFOs represent this phenomenon. UFOs represent this phenomenon. I think he's making a very good statement there, which leads us to so many more questions. And it keeps, 
you have to keep that open mind. There is more to the story. And it's the questions that, at least publicly, aren't being asked by officials. Who are they? Where do they come from? What do they want? Why are they here? How does this impact us? There's a lot of questions we have. You know, and again, not that my tune has totally changed, but I would say it's changed. When I first started this journey and I was learning about AI and where it's going, I was 100%, nope, shut it down. It's bad. And I feel like, is that the truth? Is, is good or bad a relative term? Is it really my place to say and to place that judgment? Now, in what, what I can say is that AI is changing who and what we are. But is that a necessary growth point that we need to go through? Is this technological development a part of the natural development of our universe? If we live within a simulated reality, then doesn't the technological constitute the natural as our world is consist as far as our world is considered? I, I, I'm not saying jack me into the matrix because I want to hold on to my perception of autonomy, to my perception of what I feel my humanity is. But sometimes we're the dinosaurs and we are holding, we are limiting growth. And maybe our software isn't capable of growth. You know, as, as they say in, in the first Matrix, we never free a mind behind a certain age because the mind has trouble letting go. So we may reach a point where we say, this is far enough, that's as far as I go. I do proceed with caution because I think we can easily get lost. Much like I was afraid to step off that cliff after just 20 minutes wearing a VR headset. Can we get lost in this up-and-coming new virtual reality, augmented reality world? Absolutely. We can lose touch. That doesn't mean good can't come of it. I think for people that deal with loneliness and depression, I think that this is an amazing opportunity for people. I think that the, the, just the sense of being out in nature, especially as haptics come online and become more real feeling to our physical sens sensations of touch. I think that this can really provide a benefit and opportunity for a lot of people. But what it's doing is it's, it's disconnecting us from the real. It's disconnecting us from earth. Uh, right now, our society, it's very hard to just go out and have an experience. So this allows for us to do that. But it's the, the, the Trojan horse aspect of it is, my question is, is this trapping us? Is this separating us and now trapping us and ultimately controlling us? I, I don't know. But I'm open-minded to, to go either way, and I think we need to be as we, as we move forward into this. How can we make this better for us? And that's something else that I was shown during that remote viewing session. And the best way I can equate it, I interacted with an energy, and, and this energy was changing based on my mood. And the data that I collected, uh, let, let me share it with you. Uh, during my session, I, I uh, got the word wisdom, and I probed that. I explored that word, what was meant in, in context of my remote viewing session. And it was wisdom given as a gift to profoundly change, but that change and type of change is determined by the user or recipient and cause a rise and fall, peace and destruction. They know this, and although it is given, 
the wisdom is not earned until the event or precipice, the user-determined outcome. Think about that. The user-determined outcome. It is our choices that drive us and the outcomes that teach us. Wisdom facilitates that process, but what is given is only a shell of what it will become as it is nurtured and cultivated by the user. And I, I had in my mind the metaphor, if you've ever seen or read the book Sphere, it's Michael Crichton's book, and a movie with Dustin Hoffman, Samuel L. Jackson, a couple other actors. And basically this, this ball that they encounter from they think is an alien life force out in space, they find it at the bottom of the ocean, gives them the power to manifest anything they want. But they find that the human mind is incapable of handling such a gift because they keep thinking of dark, scary stuff. And I had that that perception that that's what this is, meaning this energy, this technology. Uh, and as you start to grow intuitively and psychically, you recognize we have that within us. And I say that because of some of the synchronicities I've had, and I could be wrong, but that's what I'm exploring right now. Let's leave it at that. And it's not just, oh, I'm thinking a cheeseburger and a cheeseburger is going to appear. I'm thinking happiness. And I'm going to be happy. There, there's, there's a technicality to it. There's a process to it. There's a, a wisdom to that that I, I by far haven't mastered. I, but I think there's something to it individually and then collectively. And that's where we struggle as a species, collectively. We can get in groups and we can collectively manifest something. But as a species-wide, we can't do that yet. Now, is that the goal of the metaverse to get everybody plugged in and then pump in our perceptions and collectively use this much like I talk about with Hollywood and, and the news and the fear that it's generating. Is that what's going to happen with this metaverse where we are going to think we're in control, but really we're going to be controlled to manifest whatever it is that whoever's in control wants us to manifest. I think that's a possibility. I think we are some aspect of creativity and we just haven't understood how to use it. And I think that this gift that's being given will determine what are we going to create for ourselves. So it's easy to look at Big Brother, at Big Tech, at all these companies out there and say, look what they're doing. I'm, I'm going to say, right, for right now, look what they're creating. Look what potential they are bringing. And I think we have that power to turn that into something beautiful as we choose our own reality. You know, as David Icke says, there's infinite possibility, right? So what are we going to make of this? What are you going to manifest? That doesn't mean it's easy. As I started off this podcast talking about how hard the last two weeks were for me, how desperate I felt, how afraid I felt, that doesn't mean there's not beautiful potential out there. Scary, hard, dark things happen. But what are you going to do with this life in this reality? What are you going to manifest? I believe we have that power. The bigger question I have is, why do I believe that? Where did this information come from? I don't feel like I'm sneaking this data and illicitly sharing it and going to crack open this wide, grand conspiracy. I think this information is being shared with us. 
Now, is that for benevolent or nefarious purposes? I don't know. Is it mutually exclusive? Is there something else going on here? Is it for our growth? Is it for someone else's growth? I don't know. But I think that this information is intentionally seeded. And I look at a movie like The Matrix, and I look at data I've collected individually, and I look at how they line up. So I don't think that this knowledge or this information is supposed to be kept secret, but I do think that it's only accessible to people who are willing to put in the work. Much like someone with a PhD only has access to a certain perspective of things in the medical field or whatever field they've gotten their doctorate in because they put in the work. Those that are undertaking these metaphysical studies, these spiritual studies, you won't have access to it if you don't put in the time and the work. You know, as Edward Reardon always says, 30,000 hours with remote viewing. You have to put in the time to get the growth. And with that time comes that pain and that suffering because that's how you learn. You don't learn when things are easy. You learn when things are hard. So as we go through 2022 and we encounter more of those hardships, please try and find those lessons. Where can you grow? What can you do? And how can you create those pockets of happiness and enjoyment in the face of that negativity? What are things that you can do that will help you grow and support your own family and community? And I think that's the goal moving forward. Despite all the dark, scary stuff, I think we have that potential. And I think that rip in the matrix that my session talked about, I think that is a doorway or a window that's opening us to massive potential. Question is, do you have the courage to look through and possibly walk through? Love to hear your thoughts on this one, my friends. I'm going to wrap it up here. Please don't forget to check out sixcentsmedia.net where I'll have, I have an archive of everything that I'm working on. And check out my YouTube channel, please. Uh, I, I don't promote that enough, but there's some great content on there as well. If you enjoy just listening to my voice, maybe you'll enjoy seeing some of the graphics as well that I share with these remote viewing sessions and uh, more to come on Reiki as well. Uh, and something I've never said on the show, but it's been, it's been up for a while. Not only is the, the show available on SoundCloud, not only is the show available on YouTube, it's also up on Spotify. Uh, so for those of you that use Spotify, go find me on Spotify. I'm on there as well. I love the Spotify app. I'm not paid by them. I'm not endorsed by them. Although if they're looking, I'd be more than happy to take a deal. Um, but check out, check out uh, the secret podcast on Spotify. Remember, it's S-E-I-K-E-R. All right, my friends, may you all have a happy, healthy, safe, prosperous new year in 2022 filled with love and growth. Dennis Nappy II here with Six Sense Media, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind and let your intuition be your guide. Thank you.
Water, my friend, my friend, my friend. 